Alrighty, welcome back, friends and peeps. Uh, this is the Burgundy Blogcast, Season 2, Episode 17, I believe. Um, I'm Brent from Burgundy Blog, and usually at the beginning of the podcast here, you're listening to Hayes Permar from Sports Channel 8, my host and producer, but um, Hayes is sort of indisposed uh, at the moment, so we are here at almost 10 o'clock on Tuesday night to um, record episode 17, do a little update on the state of the Redskins um, with only one week left to go, and I'm happy to have joining me again, uh, friend of the blogcast and longtime friend of mine, and just a solid, solid dude and Redskins fan in general. This is my buddy Mike Honcho, Michael J. Honcho. He's on Twitter, at DoubleShift8. Great follow. I encourage you to jump on with him. Uh, Honcho, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas to you, man. Merry Christmas to you, too. And Merry Christmas to all of our listeners, and happy holidays to everybody. Um... How are you feeling about the old skins right about now, Hanch? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm feeling good about the skins because Dallas just scored a touchdown to tie it at 21. Nice! I was observing that just this moment, too. 21 <laughs> all. 21 all um, Cowboys and Lions as we speak with a minute left in the first half. On uh, are they calling this Monday night football? I guess I mean I guess it is Monday night football. Yeah, it is Monday it? night. Yeah. All my days are running together over the holidays. So, um, well, the Redskins, of course, um, were able to uh, take care of business here this past weekend on Christmas Eve, and um, keep their playoff hopes alive. And so I'm glad that you mentioned uh, this this tightly knotted. Lions and Cowboys game, Honcho, uh, because I wanted to bring that up here. We're going to obviously get get into the recent uh, Skins-Bears game here in a second, but I was following some shenanigans on Twitter today um, from a variety of followers and other media types discussing this sort of, I guess, conundrum, if you will, about uh, Redskins fans having to or being feeling compelled to root for the hated Cowboys tonight. Of course, as most of of our listeners will will know at this point that if if the Cowboys are able to um pull this one out tonight then the Redskins will be back in control of their so-called playoff destiny uh which I think would be hard to argue is an ideal scenario or best best possible case as of this moment for the Redskins but there is this small and adamant sect of the fan base uh, you tell me if you're feeling this too, but I'm, I mean, they're out there. They're mentioning me. That they simply refuse to root for the Cowboys under any circumstances, including tonight. And I want to know, how do you feel about it? Because I'm about to tell you how I feel about it. I don't get it at all. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, now, I said at all, so let me just back it up a little bit. I actually rooted for the Cowboys for the first time in my life, I think, last week. Because I don't remember who they were playing, but it was going to help us. And it did feel weird. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It felt odd. But in this scenario, this does nothing to help the Cowboys at all. Right. They're 11 and two. They can't go. They can't get any better. They can't get any more home field advantage than they already have. They are locked into the number one seed. You're correct. Right. And it only helps us 
the best. I mean, the, they could get a starter hurt trying to win this game. I mean, to <laughs> me, I'm just saying, like, it does not hurt my feelings at all to to root for the Cowboys, even though I I understand it feeling weird, but this is completely selfish rooting on behalf of the Redskins why I'm rooting for the Cowboys tonight. I, I am, of course, 100% with you. This is the only way, in my opinion, to approach it, and you're you're a polite... Um, you're a polite guest on on the broadcast, <laughs> uh, Hanch. I think I think Hayes may have even had, um, you know, some some uh, more aggressive uh, terminology for describing this scenario. But I'm going to go ahead and just lay it, lay it on down. Um, it, it is idiotic for any any fan of the Redskins or anybody who in whose best interest a successful Redskins season lies to not fully. Be rooting, rooting. I'm going to use the term rooting because there's, you know, people getting into semantics and and some rationalization on Twitter. But you should absolutely be rooting, pulling, cheering for the Cowboys tonight because their win, if they can make it happen, strongly benefits the Redskins, and their loss is inconsequential. I mean, this is a game as you just explained that does not matter no one will remember uh, through history aside from occasional obscure statistics uh, with little meaning what happened tonight unless it opens the door for the Redskins to make the playoffs which of course will be long remembered because this would represent the first time in a million years that they made the they they would have made the playoffs in consecutive seasons so you know I mean there are some people out there saying well I'm not rooting for the Cowboys I'm just um I'm rooting, preferring that they win. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm pulling for Detroit to lose. I'm not rooting for Dallas to win. Okay, this is nonsensical, as we know. We're all, you know, functioning adults with brains. Okay, those things are one and the same. Uh, you just got to be pulling for the boys to pull this thing out in the second half. I have. A, I have a theory. I have a theory here. The, the only. The only thing I can think of. I just thought of this, but. I think deep down within these Redskins fans might be something. It's almost like a cowboy phobia because I'm going to be honest with you. All right, I'm just going to be completely honest with Please you. Please do. That's what Dak, we do here. Dak Prescott is a likable player. Yeah, and I think there's something inside of these people that say if I root for this guy, I actually might start to like him. Oh, oh, this is Costanza getting a male massage. Yes, like it moved. <laughs> I'm scared of it moving. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about it from that angle. They're, they're afraid that they're going to enjoy it? Wow, that's dangerous. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, the, there there are plenty of reasons. This is a volatile it, situation. It's I, I, Yeah, and I, I understand it a little bit, but I mean, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think you're right. It's just idiotic. you got to root for him. I agree with you on Prescott. Um, hate to say it, but but he's, he's a pretty likable, rootable player. I, I don't care for Zeke Elliott at all for a number of reasons, although he's... Uh, an otherworldly talent. I'm disappointed that uh, that that Dallas has somehow lucked their way into both of them as rookies. But um, I mean, I think we should just put a wrap on this segment because it's so cut and dry. I mean, I, there is there is there is history here, and I, I don't want to offend my Redskins fan brethren who have this deep seated. Um, you know, long-standing hatred for the Cowboys. I get it. Look, I haven't been around forever. I'm 35. I've been through 20-plus years of Redskins fandom. I've read a hundred things you should know and do before you die if you're a Redskins fan or whatever it's called by Rick Snyder. And I get that there there's a century of, um, 
backstory to this Cowboys-Redskins relationship. And I do hate the Cowboys. I detest the Cowboys. I root under in almost all circumstances for them not only to lose but to be humiliated. Um, I root against the Cowboys for Jerry Jones. I root against the Cowboys for Michael Irvin and now Des Bryant. Um, I root against the Cowboys because it is America's team baloney and all the never-been-to-Dallas Cowboys fans in the D.C. area. There are a hundred reasons to root against the Cowboys, and in general, of course, we all do. So I get it. I get that it's hard. But you have to just let your brain overrule your heart in this situation and know that if, if you root, if you can't bring yourself to root for the Cowboys tonight, it's because you actually prefer hating the Cowboys to loving the Redskins. It just doesn't make sense. Well said. So let's let's talk then about uh, the Redskins' most recent game, Christmas Eve. By the way, man, I want to talk about this. Love me some Christmas. I mean, who doesn't? But I was not a big fan of having a Redskins game on Christmas Eve. It was, yeah, that was a little bit strange. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. And actually, if I was wondering what your, do you have a one word for this game? Woo, the word. I did have a word. I was wondering if you were gonna ask. We didn't, yeah. we didn't practice this. Um, I've got a word, and um, it might require a little bit of uh, of explanation, which perhaps at least partially defeats the purpose. Um, my word for this this win, this um, pretty comfortable win, in fact, over the Bears, is sufficient. Sufficient. I think the okay. Redskins were sufficient. They, they they put forth a sufficient effort in this game. And I, look, I know where this is going. I'm not trying to be this too cool for school, refusing to give them credit for, you know, a 20-point victory because of style points. I mean, this was this was a road conference win in December, um, and the Redskins did what they needed to do. But I think that's pretty much all they need, all all they really did. They they did what they needed. Yes, again, they they won by almost three touchdowns. Um, but I felt like, you know, I, I think they, they were the beneficiaries and I almost used, I almost used the word beneficiary as my one word, because I think they benefited greatly from some gifts. I think that the bears were into the Christmas giving spirit here. And in this week, 16 games, specifically one on offense and one on defense, I think, uh, Matt Barkley, the bears quarterback completely hijacked the game. And he, of course, was in the very giving spirit, having thrown five interceptions in this game. I think that basically, uh, with with maybe one or two exceptions on those interceptions, I mean, this guy was just trying to to pretty much hand the Redskins the game, and he succeeded. And so, they, and they and they allowed him to. They obliged. So again, credit where it's due. You know, these these guys, these 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 three defensive backs with five picks between them, they were in the right place at the right time. They made it happen. Uh, but I think Barkley basically stubbornly kept putting it up, and and that killed them. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the Bears continued, just just insisted through four quarters to play, you know, almost exclusively man man coverage, man defense against the Redskins boundary wide receivers, Garcon and uh, and Deshaun Jackson. At least in the first half, just destroyed them. The Bears were just going man the whole time. Uh, Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator for the Bears, who the Redskins, many Redskins fans wanted to become the Redskins defensive coordinator before Joe Barry was hired. 
Uh, he he didn't he did not make the adjustments that we routinely demand from Joe Barry and rarely get, by the way. But um, you know he blew it. Uh, so the Bears kind of did did not make adjustments and played right in the Redskins' hands. And I think that the Redskins in general gave a sufficient effort. They received that win. They said, okay, sure, you want to hook me up? We'll take it. I don't think there was too much. I mean, I get, I, I get it. They went out to a 17 nothing lead to start the game. So, uh, you know, you can't knock that. They've been slow starters recently. They seem to get that rectified here. So good for them. But I think it was more that the Bears gave this game away than it was the Redskins went and took it. Yeah, I agree. So I, I actually had a word, too. Uh, just, just because I wanted to play in the word game, uh, and my word was weird. It was yeah. just a weird game in general. I think all for all the reasons you pointed out, but it was weird to be a part of a twenty-point win when, like, you were just kind of—I was just kind of bored in the second half, almost. Yeah. Like, like as you were saying, because it was such—it was such gifts, and it was like you know, Cousins had a few nice throws, but honestly, the most excited I got during the game was yelling at the TV. Uh, I think there was like end of the third quarter when Crowder reached across for the first down and we didn't challenge it. Which oh, was yeah. The worst non-challenge ever. But Crowder I mean, that- clearly had that first down, you're right, by a yard. And then uh, Gruden said after the fact that I guess whoever's job it is to watch the replays you know, upstairs did not catch it fast enough to tell him to challenge. But, yeah, he definitely should have. Yeah, I mean, so maybe those guys were asleep too. But I, like, it just—who is that, was, by the way? We need to get into that. Is that Bruce Allen, or do, do they have smarter people than that on that job? I don't know, but I, I feel like we need an upgrade. Yeah, just in just in general on the on the on the replay guy, because you could have seen. I don't think you need a replay. You could you could see that from any angle on the stadium that the yep. ref did not move to the right spot. Yep. I, I think you're right. It was a weird game, and it's, you know, getting back to my, my beef about this game being on Christmas Eve in the first place. I mean, people have stuff going on on Christmas Eve, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm about as dedicated to this as you can get, but I, I could not watch the whole thing live. I mean, I was I went to church at halftime, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm watching the first half like I usually do. I'm tweeting my face off. I'm enjoying it. Um, the Redskins are up. Uh, 10 points at half after having kind of given up sort of a lame touchdown there at the end of the second quarter. And I went off to do my thing uh, at church. And so uh, I told everyone uh, that I saw there uh, before they opened their mouths to shut up and don't tell me the score. And then I came back and watched what I had on DVR. But as you said, like the second half, it really sort of, um, you know, it started kind of getting out of hand there when Barkley started just launching everything up for grabs. And yeah, after that, it was kind of like, well, what's going on here? You, you, you know, you could clearly tell which way it was going. I found the second half to be um, much less interesting than the first. So I was glad that, you know, for, for this to have been the one game that I wasn't able to watch all the way live. But um, uh, yeah, it, it was it was just a conflict for me to you know really care about this game. Extremely important for the Redskins. I, I've been saying all year, and I always do, the, the number one thing I want out of every Redskins season is meaningful football in December, and they delivered yeah. it. So good, you know that that's great. No gripes. But I look, I do look forward to hopefully more of these games not conflicting directly with um, my personal and family agenda. Otherwise, on and around major holidays for sure. Uh, what did you think about you know anything else about this game? You know individuals. Uh, implications, anything else jump out at you about this particular game, Hancho? 
Not really. Like I, I think your sufficient word was good. I think everybody played good enough. Um, I, th- I thought Kirk had some really nice throws. Yeah, Cuz um, was good. Cuz was uh, efficient. Yeah, efficient. I think is a good word. And I hate to dwell on the negative, but uh, I, I was ready to I was ready to fire Barry on the spot after the third and eighteen. Yeah, um, that was that one. Really was that one was the that was the the hashtag fire Joe Barry play of the game for sure. Third and eighteen, and the Redskins allowed the Bears to <laughs> convert that thing. I think I think the worst realization is I'm sitting here, so I'm 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 you know at my parents for Christmas. So I'm sitting watching watching my dad, and it's third and eighteen, and I audibly said, uh, "They've probably got a seventy percent chance of converting this." It's, it and, feels that way every time, doesn't it? And then they do it, and you're like, "Gosh, that cannot be." That can't be real. Like I can't believe that just happened. They needed 18 yards and they got 19. <laughs> yeah, I um you know, what did the the Bears had, I think, I think it was 24-14 at the half. So at at one point in the second quarter when they finally they had scored their first touchdown and the Bears had only hung 7 on the board and I'm feeling at that point and I tweeted that here we are yet again with the Redskins defense looking so much worse than the scoreboard would suggest. And this is my boy Hayes' thing, and he's 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 pretty much fully okay with the Redskins' bend but don't break approach. I mean, he, even he has stopped arguing that this defense is is good enough. But um, you know, somehow, well, they got you know Preston Smith blocked a field goal, which helped. Um, they started getting turnovers. Um, the this defense just looks like canned ass week in and week out and you know sometimes the final score ends up being you know usable uh satisfactory but it almost always feels even in those circumstances even when the Redskins are able to eke out a win because this was such an unusual comfortable win I mean the defense just always looks unprepared and sort of um, ill-positioned to account for all, you know, basically any situation. It's that the red zone defense is bad, the third down, well, I, I guess that's the one part in which they're not historically bad, but third down defense, of course, so terrible. They always seem to be on third and fourth and short, you know, the linebacker's always in the wrong gap, and and it always comes down, of course, you know, this is the... the um, uh, you know, endless, endless debate. Well, is it the players or is it the coaches? And and I I don't doubt that this Redskins defense, um, in terms of the roster and the personnel, is is clearly not where Scott McLuhan wants it yet. So I I would not be expecting from Joe Barry a top five or even top ten unit in terms of yards allowed or third down conversions. But I have over the course of the season definitely my pendulum has swung to. Um, this being at least, and I think at this point, more than 50% attributable to um, you know scheme, planning, uh, style, philosophy, and just overall coaching. And, and I'm at the point now where even if the Redskins do make the playoffs this year, barring some miraculous um, you know late season and postseason improvement, that I think that after just his two years here. I would be totally fine with disrupting the defensive continuity by firing and replacing Joe Barry. I'm ready for let's just disrupt it right away. Let's go 
Isn't Gus Bradley available right yeah. now? <laughs> can't we, we just bring him in for for this for this game against the Giants? We I'm totally. We only totally, have five days. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, don't, ample, I don't see how you, ample time for him to upgrade the situation. Right? There's nothing to disrupt. <laughs> That's the way I see it. It's it's uh, undisruptible because I think I think the problem with Hayes theory. Um, of a bend, bend don't break is I think it's just constant I think it's constant breaking what I see <laughs> it's just it's just a matter of is are the teams we're playing good enough to fully break it yeah and if if the if the defense is not getting turnovers it's the worst defense in the league right that, that that's, that's really the crux right there is that they, they are they're able to mask these glaring deficiencies and make them somewhat less glaring when they can take the ball away. And in this game, of course, they did it, you know, half a dozen times almost. So um, when the, when those when those takeaways dry up, though, it just they're you know it's a sieve. Um, I think you know I saw and and tweeted out an interesting thing. I guess Cooley said Chris Cooley said on on ESPN 980 earlier today. And I wasn't listening, but I saw a a tweet from 980, which kind of bizarrely was was quickly deleted. Um, but the, the tweet mentioned that he had identified specifically the Cincinnati Bengals' current defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, as a mm. potential candidate to replace Joe Barry. And I, I don't, I definitely have no idea how to interpret uh you know that that specific name being thrown out in terms of whether that means that this you know the search is basically already going on behind the scenes i don't know if cooley knows something i mean he he tends to have stuff a little bit sooner than than others um but he's also sometimes wildly wrong so um but you know that that's kind of why i wanted to talk about this tonight is that i i've, I've sort of reached my breaking point um too many, too many coverage breakdowns. Too many insane third and fourth and long breakdowns. Too many wide, wide open receivers just running unchecked up and down the seam. Um, yeah, why didn't the Bears focus on just throwing it to the flat? I'm pretty sure you yeah. can just blindly throw it into the flat and the dude's wide open. And or for that matter, why, why are why are they not? You know, they were having. Um, Pretty pretty good uh pretty good luck there with their rookie running back. What's his name? Howard. Howard. Yeah. Um you know, he's a good player. He's been having a good season. And and the Redskins defense, everyone and his mother knows that they can't stop the run. So for them to just keep going back to the Matt Barkley well when he's, you know, totally off the grid, rather than putting it in Howard's belly, is just another thing that the Redskins have to be thankful for. But um yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I guess I've made my my point pretty clear on Joe Barry, but I'm over it, and I'm I'm not I'm not typically you know I don't know I wanted to I wanted to not hold his really hideous resume pre Redskins against him, you know, with the with the Detroit Lions in the, the 16, 16 yeah. season, and um, I wanted I want to be that sort of rational guy going well that that team doesn't define him and he could absolutely have plenty of good coaching to bring to the table and okay fine he's an enthusiastic guy and um he uh he's, he's an energetic youthful type coach and clearly that's what they were looking for and it, it seems that he's providing that but from a scheme standpoint from a preparation standpoint i mean i think these two years have been enough and i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm you know regardless of what happens here 
you know, even if they go out and completely lay an egg against the Giants, I'm nowhere near calling for uh, you know Gruden's head. I think Gruden's done an Gruden's done an admirable job, and if 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 he's able to you know push them into the playoffs again and potentially win a playoff game, now all of a sudden we're going to be talking about is it time for an extension for Gruden? Okay, so he's a guy that totally flipped me because after year one, to me it seemed like he was just in in way over his head. Um, and he he got his act together and 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 pulled the Redskins up by their bootstraps. But I really think, and I I don't you know is it Gus Bradley? Um, is it Todd Bowles if he gets canned? You know, some people want Rex Ryan. I'm a little bit over that action, but uh, you know, anybody I, I, with anybody really that that can put a headset on, I'm I'm good with. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it's just... I think it's I think it's time. I think they they're just they're not responding, and obviously they'll um, they'll they will intend on um, improving the caliber of of the defensive roster um, over this off season, but. I think it's going to take a new coach to go along with the new players to to really have um, a significant turnaround. In in terms of, uh, you know, just going back to the game, specific stuff, especially from the first half, which I watched a little bit more closely. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, who I've talked about lately, especially... Um, in light of the D-Jacks versus Pierre Garçon question, I mean, Jackson has, I hope his jaw's okay, but he, he, because he has been red hot for the last few weeks. And, you know, um, the, the rap on him for so long has been, well, he's kind of a one trick pony, but he's so damn good at that trick. Well, lately he's showing that he, he is, he is a multi trick pony here. He's, I mean, you know, not necessarily fearlessly going across the middle, but, Short, intermediate, and deep routes. He's blowing the lid off off the defense routinely like he's supposed to, but sideline catches, incredibly acrobatic catches. I've seen a few plays where he's blocked fairly respectably, uh, which, you, which you don't typically expect from him. But uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think, has really gotten his act together and been an extremely valuable player for the Redskins. So um, you know, what are your thoughts, Honcho, on, on the wide receiver situation and who should still be around next year? So I have not followed this as closely. I've seen the I've seen the debates um, going back and forth. I know you weighed in on you know keeping one or the other, Garcon or Jackson. Is is it basically impossible to keep both? Like I just I don't know much about the yeah. Salary cap. It's a good question. I mean I think I, I I don't think anybody could say that it is impossible, but it does seem unlikely because they're going to both still at 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 the age of thirty now fetch you know pretty sizable con- contracts because they're still producing. Um, there, there's an argument that this offense functions as effectively as it does because they're both here, and maybe they should just continually to c- continue to so heavily weight the salary cap distribution towards the offense, and e- either either sign or or franchise Cousins, and then throw a bunch of money at both of these two dudes too. I mean, I, I would love to have both of them back. It's you know, the situation is working. Um, they're compatible, uh, but. Uh, I have said up to you know, to this point that um, that I think if I had to choose one, it would be Garcon because he's so sturdy, he's so reliable, he doesn't catch passes, he blocks like a demon, uh, he's so versatile, he's probably going to age better. Um, I've I've mentioned and agreed with other people throwing out the Anquan Bolden comparison in terms of the the fact that he's a guy. It seems like he'll be um, has a good chance to be high functioning deep into his thirties. Um, 
and 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 you know for much of this year it just seemed like Cousins couldn't quite get on the same page as Deshaun Jackson despite his um incredibly useful elite speed and uh, deep ball tracking abilities but I don't know I mean uh, DJX is is really making a case here these last few days that he may he may indeed be more valuable and even if he's going to miss some offseason practices and even if he's going to miss a few games for bumps and bruises um, you know it, it's a really tough call I think there's a good argument either way um, but I definitely I wanted be, to I think it'd been easier if we didn't have the phantom Dachshund injury and you yeah, could have seen yeah. what he brings to the table. I'm exactly pretty sure that's right. probably what no McLuhan question. was hoping for. He's completely he's completely an unknown quantity. I agree. I'm not. I think probably, you know, some people want to say that his skills are a little bit more redundant with Garcons, but I'm I'm not sure that's entirely true. I think the you know the really valuable thing that Doxson brings or is supposed to bring to the table is big plays and downfield passing, not so much from elite speed and separation, but because of his you know. Um, athleticism and ability to make plays on the ball in the air. So I'm not so sure that that his his skills don't actually more more um, more closely align with with what Deshaun Jackson brings. So it's it is interesting, and I do I sure I, I know the coaches wish they had a better idea what what Doxson was going to be able to offer. Uh, other stuff from the game, I didn't you know I don't really have a, a formal Brent's notes tonight, but. Uh, I thought the Redskins' red zone play calling was was much improved, so hats off to Sean McVay for that, including a couple of really nice Chris Thompson play calls um, and two touchdowns for him. Love that guy. Um, that screen was perfect. Oh, my Good gosh. It was, it was just the, the right thing at the right time. And, boy, is he – you know, I think he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. I would not be at all surprised if they go ahead and extend him soon with a with a longer and more lucrative contract because he is – just a really useful utility type guy. He's he's developed into a good third down pass blocker. He's certainly he's just really good with the ball in his hands. He's shaken that that uh, injury prone label over the last season or so. Really big fan of Chris Thompson since he got here, but especially lately he's developed into a great player. So I, I think they're going to try and keep him around. Um, Bashad Breland had kind of an up and down game. Uh, two two interceptions. Can't hate that. Um, you know, a few other plays uh, where he was lined up in the slot, where he kind of was a little bit out of position, even up against that that guy. What was his name? The Bears had that super tall. I think he's a rookie. Meredith Cameron Meredith was looking like a Hall of Famer there in the first half. <laughs> um, so Breland again up and down. I thought he, he on a few plays, including that long interception, made me think, huh? He's kind of looking a little free safety-ish there. And uh, that's something I've been speculating about on Twitter the last couple of weeks is whether or not he might be he might have a future as a safety. And then the stuff recently about Sua Cravens has come out that he's going to be a safety, most most likely more of a strong safety than a free. Although the Redskins, um, in their current scheme, tend to use safety somewhat interchangeably. So I do wonder if maybe next year's Week One starting safeties couldn't be Sua Cravens and Bashad Breland. I don't know. Um, I like the sound of it. Just throwing that out there. I think it's a possibility. Um, yeah, I mean, other stuff. Cousins showed some good wheels, two two running touchdowns. Um, Fat Rob uh, with the knee sprain or whatever it is, sure hope he gets back because he was looking good and they, they really do need him. Uh, he's he's just such a key find this year. I mean, he basically has become what we wanted Matt Jones to be, which was like this – you know this guy to just take the reins and and grab hold of the starting RB one job and and keep it and I think I think Fat Rob has shown that uh, 
that uh, you know, given us every reason to to hope that that he can he can be that guy. So yeah, so that's you know, not the most exciting game in the world. Redskins kind of ran away with it in the end, and and you know, you're always glad to see that because basically all their games are decided by one point <laughs> or less. <laughs> yes. And uh, so it was nice for them to uh, win comfortably for us on Christmas Eve. Here's one other thing I want to ask you about, Hanch. Uh, I don't know if you're following how, how closely you're following all the different combinations and permutations of playoff scenarios. But if the Redskins get in, I think this would be if they... Well, I'm not even going to go there. I, I don't know if it's whether they get the, fi- the fifth or the sixth seed, but it's looking like a reasonable possibility, if not probability, that the Redskins' first playoff opponent might be, yet again, dun, 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 the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. What What would be, you know, if that if that comes to pass, what's your initial reaction? My initial reaction is zero percent chance of victory. <laughs> I love so, how you do that. You're so you're yeah. like old faithful there. Old faithful. That's right. I always go with my percentage chances, and uh, that's a zero percent chance of victory. And I would not enjoy that. I don't like uh, Mr. Recovery Water over there. <laughs> um, but um, but I I think you know if we made the playoffs. If I, if I pulled back and said you can make the playoffs two years in a row. I'm actually fine with that, yeah. and I can I can deal with a. I can deal with going to Seattle and 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 losing. Like yeah. I, I think, <laughs> Win and losing. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think I'd be all right with that. Like if, if if we even get to that point, I think we're in good shape. I think yeah. I mean you know obviously this this sort of initially just you know it makes you shudder um, because I don't know. I mean it's been three times in the last. I don't know what ten years or something, maybe less. Uh, and the Redskins have not shown an ability to do it. And one of those games, of course, was when RG3's tenuous knee finally uh, evaporated. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, just the idea of playing them in the first round—it just—it's just not—it's not a pleasant thought initially. I think if you dig into the matchup a little bit. Uh, you know, they're uh, Seattle's kind of they're not what they've been. They're not who they once were. I mean, are they a potential Super Bowl, you know, uh team? They they could be, but they're they're definitely not this juggernaut that um that I have perceived them to be even in the recent past, especially with with the Earl Thomas injury. I think our our pass catching group, you know, might match up with their secondary um somewhat favorably now. Um you know, I, I think their their offense, specifically their offensive line, has been a huge problem all year. So that might somewhat neutralize the um, you know the giant bag of barf that is the Redskins <laughs> front seven. Uh, you know, so I don't you know I wouldn't go zero percent like you do. Although I'm glad to hear that you that you would. That just that that kind of gives me that makes me feel comfortable. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I think there's a chance. But I, yeah, I I'm not. You know, you said you you could find a piece about them losing to him again. I'm not sure that would really, really devastate me losing to them yet again. Um, but you know, hey, if it's it's better, certainly better to get to 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 have loved and lost than to have never made the playoffs at all. So that's uh, right. And to you know. and to make the uh, I wanted to ask you about this because I haven't seen anything about the, what the Giants' plans are, but I did see the Vegas line. Mm-hmm. And I think we're at seven and a half point favorites over the Giants, so I'm Good assuming. Grief. Oh. I'm assuming that Vegas knows something we don't about what the Giants' plans are for playing 
people. You'd think that, although, and and that thank you for contributing that. That's very interesting. I don't really know what the Giants' plans are either, other than to say I'm I'm pretty sure we've established that the the Giants can do no better and no worse, regardless of uh, next week's result, than the fifth seed. So, in other words, yes, they're, they're locked in. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's basically a meaningless game for them, aside from you know, if you want to call it momentum or or, or injuries or what have you. Uh, I sure hope they don't care about that game. I sure hope they come into FedEx and do not give a crap um, <laughs> because obviously we need the Redskins to win. Um, yeah, I, um, I I don't know that I'm, I'm compelled, though, by that line. I think Vegas has had a really hard time knowing what to make of the Redskins for the last couple of years. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, but uh, I I think it's you know it's definitely a winnable game. But the Giants are a good team. That defense, which I thought was kind of uh, overrated at the at the point in the season in which the Redskins played them the first time, uh, they've gotten their act together and kind of proven to be actually a good defense. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, I'm glancing down here at my brand new Christmas iPad to see. Oh, and then we've got 28-21 Cowboys. I'm not sure what just happened, but we've got a seven-point Dallas Cowboys lead at this point. At yeah, 10, we got we got we got an interception Monday night. Nice. So interception and a, and a um, you know, hopefully they can hang on here, and then the Redskins are back in the driver's seat, and then uh, and they can take care of business. I want to end this podcast poncho here with just a few minutes um on a somewhat uh disgruntled and spiteful note by um invoking the name of rg3 oh, uh, and i realized that this could spiral us way out of control here and become and just just uh spawn its own podcast <laughs> completely of of you and i um, you know, maligning RG. No, I, that's the wrong word. So, you know, let's let's do a brief recap here of the history of of RG three as a professional football player. Uh, year one. Oh my gosh, I love him. Maybe he'll be the president of the United States one day. <laughs> and then year two through now, gradual, fair, like, well, fair, very rapid decline in terms of um football utility and overall likability and so now here we are with rg3 as the quarterback of the cleveland browns congrats to him and to the browns for winning their first game of the year um he started started the game uh the browns won the game to um advance to one and 14 rg3 was sacked seven times and concussed um which I think will come, you know, come came as no shock to uh, many longtime observers. I, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and go there, uh, Hancho. Um, I, I, you know, he per, from a personal standpoint in terms of what he gives off uh, as to who he is and what he stands for. These last 12 months have really made it very hard for me to root hard for him to reestablish himself and to resurrect his career. Um, I, I I pretty much can't stand anymore his showiness on social media. Uh, I'm very disappointed with the way he flaunts his hot, um, 
you know, 20 something year, 19, 15 year old, uh, blonde track athlete girlfriend when I'm pretty sure he's not divorced yet. And his kids about one. And I probably shouldn't go there. Cause of course I don't know the details of this man's personal life. And it's entirely possible that the reason for the dissolution of his marriage is in some way legitimate, but, um, you know, I, you had pointed out to me earlier today this picture on Insta or whatever it was of her on his lap and them kissing to celebrate. Yay, Merry Christmas! Um, <laughs> I, I just, I'm sorry, man. I can't, I can't really. It's hard. It's, it's cringeworthy for me. Um, it, it is. I'm I mean, that, the, the hashtag on that picture should have just been "I'm a douchebag." Ugh, yeah. I mean, I mean it. Yeah. But and, and I and. I think you were kind. I think you said, you know, I can't really root for him that hard. And just and just to be completely honest, I mean, to go back, I was a giant RG3 fan. I have an yeah. RG3 j- jersey yeah. that I have not burned yet. But at this point, like, I'm just going to be completely honest, I'm rooting for him to fail. Oh, maybe not yeah. maybe not get hurt, but yeah. you don't have to root for, like, you don't really have to root for him to get hurt. You don't He's need to root, no. You don't need, no, no, yeah, that, that that's inevitable, so you don't need to add any. <laughs> that's right. Anything but I, to that. I in no way want him to be successful, just because of how he has turned yeah. up be from a personality standpoint. Uh, I'm totally fine with him failing, and... Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, like it's 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 probably not the nicest thing for for me to feel, but that is just honest. <laughs> I I want to disclaim here for my listeners: this guy you're hearing from right now, Michael J. Honcho, heart of gold. Okay, this is <laughs> this man would not does not lightly wish ill on anyone. Uh and you know it, it's it's hard to hear you say that, but I I feel a little twinge of, um. Of of agreement, you know. I mean, I, I don't. You know, he went he went to an AFC team, so I was like, okay, this is great. You know, it's that it, it, he he can now succeed, and it won't be at the Redskins' expense in most cases. Um, but he just he lost the benefit of the doubt, Hanch. It he just he really um, in everything that he puts out, and boy, does he put stuff out every five minutes. Um, he came to look. To me, at least, like a fraud. I mean, we thought he stood for so much, and it was, you know, there was there was the football problems, and there was the injuries, and there's a lot of reasons to really feel bad and feel sorry for the situation into which he was initially thrust. I mean, frankly, you and I know better than most that to be drafted by the Washington Redskins in 2012, that's a hard lot in life, man. Yeah, uh, and that's you right. know, he 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 made he made lemonade out of that lemon for sure for at least one year, but. Um, Everything that he's broadcast about himself has really caused me to question what, what's he really doing it for, and and it really, um, you know, just so much of it just seems like me, me, me. So we've gone on too long. This was enough. Boy, what a sour note to end an otherwise delightful episode of the Burgundy <laughs> Blogcast. I think um, this this has been season two, episode seventeen of the Burgundy Blogcast. I want to thank again my buddy and fellow. Uh, jaded Redskins fan Michael J. Honcho on Twitter at Double Shift Eight. He's a great follow. I recommend him. Um, thanks for joining me, buddy. In Hayes' absence, I hope that uh, that Hayes Permar from Sports Channel Eight will be back to drive this thing next week as we, uh, at that point, do an autopsy on the regular season. Uh, hard to believe it's here, but uh, hopefully, we will not only be looking back after that game at at the um, at, at at a win 
over the Giants, but looking forward to a first-round matchup against, yeah, fingers crossed, maybe the Seattle Seahawks. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, thanks again, Honcho, and see you later, everybody. Peace.